I don't know if you've ever seen any of these pictures around. They're called memes, and it's a picture that stays the same, and each one, though, has a different message. It's a way that we communicate things. And one of my favorite memes is this one right here. Anybody familiar with this? This is the first world problem meme. So when you see this lady's face, she's always going to be distraught about some first world problem. And I picked out a a couple of my favorite ones. Uh, If you would, please, let's see one. Don't you hate it? One pillow is too low, but two pillows is too high. Ever happened to anybody? So bad, right? The pizza box doesn't fit in the refrigerator. Don't you hate that? You would think, you know, 2013, we'd be... Better off. But okay, next one. My diamond earrings keep scratching my iPhone. Doesn't bother me, but you know, people that complain. I poured cereal into the bowl without checking if we still had milk, and we didn't. Ever happened to you? And let's see. My insulated travel mug works so well, my coffee won't cool down to a comfortable drinking temperature. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I feel her pain. And I think last one. Yes, I want to go to Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday. Now, it's almost kind of freeing, I think, and and funny to, to look at and to maybe laugh at some of these first world problems that we have, and there are many more, we know, we live in the first world, because they they help us realize that maybe they aren't really problems after all. Maybe they're more inconveniences. And in the grand scheme, suffering of the world, maybe they don't really matter all that much. Still, throw in one or two, three first world problems, Pour in a family crisis or two or three. Put in there the fact that, you know, there's too much month at the end of every check. There's a looming job crisis. Put all that together and that is enough to weigh anyone down. And I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that it seemed like to anybody else that every week somebody new is dealing with some kind of tragedy. That somebody is going through something that is bringing them down. How many people do we know are dealing with cancer? How many people do we know that are dealing with cancer again? These are just the people that we know of. These are just people in our families, in our community, in our little part of the world we start thinking about the suffering that's going on all around the world. Oh my goodness, we think about the people who are dealing with natural disasters and dealing with things far worse than we can ever imagine. And we throw all that in together, and it's enough to make anyone lose heart. It's enough to bring anybody down. I've heard people criticize for feeling that way. Someone has used those words, I feel like I'm losing heart, I feel like I'm losing momentum. And somebody said, well, you just need to trust Jesus more. And and maybe there's something to that about trusting God in the midst of that. But I think if you ever get to this point where you feel like I am losing heart, part of what that means is you are paying attention to life. Because life can be that way. Life can be difficult. Life can make us lose heart.
I think God knows that. I think God knows that about us, that we may have that tendency to lose heart. And that idea is sprinkled throughout Scripture, this idea of not losing heart. The prophet Jeremiah speaks to the whole nation of Israel and tells them things are about to happen, tough things that you are going to have to endure. But I am telling you them about them now so that when they happen, you may not lose heart. The Apostle Paul uses that phrase in the second letter to the Corinthian church, tells them not to lose heart. And presumably in the book of Ephesians, he tells the Ephesian church, when you look at me, I know you love me, I know I'm one of your teachers and your mentors, and as you look at my suffering, as you look at the things that I go through, don't let them make you lose heart. Even in the book of Hebrews, we're told to look at the hardship and the suffering that Jesus faced. And the fact that he was willing to face those hardships. Look at Jesus' suffering as a way for us to not, guess what, lose heart. It's a scripture idea. God recognizes that this life can make us lose heart. Now we want to, need to take some time to figure out what that means. I mean, we know the heart. We talk about the heart a lot. We know it's in here. We know it pumps blood and all this kind of stuff. But what does it mean to lose heart? In the biblical sense, the literal translation, I love this, is not to give in to the bad. There's also another sense that I think is helpful. In Galatians 6, 9, where Paul says, do not grow weary of doing good. So in those two ideas of losing heart, we see things very important for us. Do not give in to the bad that we see around us. Do not give in to the bad that is becoming, is coming over us. And do not grow weary as you go day to day to day in life. You ever notice... I don't know if this bothers anybody else, but I find it kind of annoying sometimes. You watch a news program, and you know, it lasts 30 minutes or an hour, depending on what you're watching. And in those 30 minutes or an hour, they tell you about the government shutdown, and they tell you about another crime spree, and they tell you about more deaths, and they tell you about this coming storm that's going to wipe out a whole continent. And they tell you how hot it's going to be. They tell you how your favorite sports team is losing. They tell you all this bad stuff. And at the very end, they want to show you a clip of a cute puppy. As a way to say, now tune in next time so that we can continue showing how bad the world is. Jesus kind of did something like that, though. He had been telling his disciples, look, there's going to come a time when there will be two people in the field and in an instant, one will be gone and only one will be left. He starts talking about judgment in the final time. He talks about how those people who love their life are actually going to lose it. He even starts talking about dead bodies and vultures. Really kind of weird stuff. And I don't know if it's maybe the, the, the look in the disciples' eye or maybe it's their stunned silence. 
But there's something that Jesus sees in them that he recognizes that they have the potential to lose heart. In fact, it's what Luke tells us, that Jesus told them a parable about how they should always pray and not, guess what, lose heart. He said there was a widow. Every day this widow would go to some judge and she would plead her case. Day after day, time after time, and every time she went up there, the judge discounted her story. Every time she came, the judge shooed her away. Every time she pleaded with him, he said, I'm not going to do anything for you. Now, we know about this judge, Jesus tells us, that one, he doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about anybody else. In fact, there's probably one person only whom he cares for, himself. In fact, you can see that in, in what he says. Jesus says, one day that the judge was thinking to himself, hmm, self, you know, this lady keeps coming to me. God, she is annoying. I can't get her away from me. Maybe, maybe, if I hear her out and just do something for her, she'll, she'll leave me alone. If I just listen to her, do what she wants, she'll get out of my face, she'll be out of my hair, my hair, and I have nothing else to worry about. Now, one of my children called me a pastor nerd because it's a really funny part of the story. This is the cute puppy part. Uh, the judge says... Um, I'm going to listen to her so she'll stop coming to me and continually wearing me out. The literal translation of that, he says, is I'm going to do something for her so she doesn't give me a black eye. I love that. I think that's the part where the disciples say, that's funny. Because I've known some tough widows, by the way. I don't know if you have. And after this parable, you, you want to look at it, we call it the parable of the persistent widow, and I don't think I'm alone where I want to focus on the persistence of the widow. I want to talk about how she was willing to go day after day after day after time after time after time. But Jesus doesn't tell us, at least not at first, to pay attention to her. In fact, after he tells the parable, the very next thing he says is, now listen to what the judge So it's important for us not to first look at the widow, but to look at the judge. And what we're supposed to do is to see how selfish, how unjust, how ungodly this judge was. So that then Jesus could say, and God is not like that. God is not selfish. God does not shoo us away. God hears us. And God Now, what I want you to realize then, if we look at what this judge says, and we look at the fact that he only says it because the widow keeps coming back, keeps coming back, and keeps coming back, there is something below the surface that is wrong about the story 
that I wonder if Jesus' disciples first saw. I wonder if we see as well. Does it bother anyone that somebody is suing a widow? That somebody is bringing a widow to court? Does that bother anybody? Maybe for us we kind of gloss over that, but a widow in Jesus' time, let me tell you, doesn't have the position that maybe a widow or the respect or the love or the care that a widow would might receive today. In fact, in Jesus' day, a widow is down here. She has nothing. Anything she had in the world worth having before was related to her husband. And when her husband died, she didn't have a son. There was nobody else to come in and take care of her. She had to figure out life on her own. And more often than not, the widows had nothing to live on. And does it bother anybody then that Jesus is saying there is a widow who has some kind of situation where somebody is not doing her justice? It should bother you, and it should bother me as we read that. Jesus is saying there is someone who is going through something that is not right. Going through something she shouldn't have to go through. But what does she do? She goes. She goes. I don't care what he's going to say to me today. I don't care how ugly he's going to look at me. I don't care what he's going to call me. I don't care if he slams the door in my face. I am going to go again, and I am going to make him hear me. Now is when we look at the persistent widow, and we see that Jesus is teaching us something about ourselves. Remember Luke said this parable was to show us how we should always pray and to not lose heart. Have you ever felt... Any time in your life when you feel like you were losing heart, felt like you were losing steam, felt like you were growing weary of everything going on around you, it's called being human. But we've been given something to help us through that. Jesus makes the connection for us, in case we missed it. Can you guess then what that connection is? parable was given to us to show us that we should always pray not lose heart. That when we know that we have to go through something again and again, we feel like we have to pour it out again and again and face rejection and face all these things we don't want to be going through. All these things that we know are not right as we have to deal with not only our own circumstances, but we have to deal with everything else that we know is going on in the world. Don't lose heart. Pray. Pray. That if we are going to do anything to be able to stand against those things and to bring about God's will for the world, we are going to have to realize that we, our lives, have to be dependent upon prayer. I once heard a United Methodist bishop say once that every Christian has to be ready always to do two things. One, they have to be ready to die. Because in our confidence of God's care after this life, 
And two, they have to be ready to pray. Prayer is God's gift to us. One that helps us not lose Sometimes we think, well, I'm not going through anything right now. I'm feeling pretty good. I'll pray when I need to. Don't tell Jesus that. Because what Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for was a life building God's kingdom. And as we go about, we see those things that other people have to go through. Those things are supposed to hurt us just as much as we see the unjust things that are happening to a widow or to children or to people around the world, those things are supposed to make us just as angry as if they were happening to us. And when they do, those things have the ability to make us lose heart too. But don't lose heart. Pray. Let us pray. God, sometimes it is our first world problems that get to us. Sometimes it's very real things that would try to make us lose heart. But God, help us today to find our strength in you and to trust in the power that you put into our prayers. Teach us, God, to be a people who are a praying people. People whose first response is to pray. People who trust that as we pray, you hear us and bring change to our lives and bring change to this world. Help us today, God, to begin anew a life of prayer that trust in your grace. In Jesus' name, then, we pray together. Amen. Amen.